Welcome to the Creativity Lab, the podcast that shows how to channel your creativity to live your best, most beautiful life. And now here's your host, director of the Creativity Lab at West Los Angeles College, Harvard PhD, TV writer and professor, Dr. Katherine Boutry. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. Each episode, we discuss a creative approach to life's challenges. Today, we'll talk to LA writer and former West LA College student, Jaime Sandoval, about the importance of finding your creative community. Jaime discusses writing, dreaming scenes, getting back to the page each day, and struggling with feelings of isolation, as well as the importance of, as he puts it, having grace with yourself. Jaime graduated from UCLA and is a 2022 Paraplus Fellow. His work can be found in Mask and Spectacle. Jaime, thank you so much for coming in today. One of the things I remember about you the most, being your professor for a couple of classes we had together, um, is how you were always in the front row, always super prepared. And when I found out a little bit more about your personal journey, I was so inspired by you. Uh, I wonder if you'd share with us a little bit today. What, what did a typical day look like for you when you were at West LA College? I would have to wake up really early, like maybe like 6 or 7.30 in the morning because I had to catch a shift at the mall before I even got any of my classes done. So I would go over there, I would open the store, be there for a couple of hours, and then I'd just grab like a pretzel on the way out, come to campus, which, you know, fortunately was a little close, um, change out of my uniform because I just didn't want to show up in my uniform to class. Um, because I, I, wanted, I wanted to respect those boundaries between, you know, school and work. And so I would, you know, change in the car, go to my class, maybe your class probably, um, have a class for a couple of hours. Then I would have to dip off a little early because I'd have to go all the way to South Central to catch another shift there. Um, and those shifts were usually like 8, 8, 8 p.m. to 1 in the morning. Um, one in the morning. Yeah, it was it was a grocery <laughs> store, so there was a lot of stocking and a lot of stuff to do, and that that was the job that I transferred from when I um, when I first moved to LA. So I really kind of had to keep it because I went through a lot of trouble of transferring, and so it was really hard shifts and really far away. There was a lot of traffic, um, and then when I would when I would I would get off at one, and then I would just come back home, try to sleep as much as possible, and kind of repeat it, you know, it, it wasn't like that every day, but it was like that at least three days a week. How did you get your homework done? That's a good question. I think I learned to utilize my time, my like my downtime in those jobs. Um, at the grocery store, there was never any downtime, but later on when I was working at the mall, I worked at a store that didn't have a lot of foot traffic. So as long as I was greeting people, my bosses were okay with me doing a little bit of reading on the side. I just always had my textbook next to my cash register. Um, during my lunches, I would try to do some homework. Um, just basically any time that I could squeeze out because I knew that by the time I got home at night, I was just gonna knock out. I was not one of those students that would pull all-nighters. For me, it was like if I didn't get it done by midnight, it wasn't gonna get done, you know? I had the same thing. I had college jobs that would allow me to do a little bit of work on the side all through college and graduate school. Uh, what was your load like? It sounds like you'd only be able to take one or two classes with that kind of load. I was taking uh, five classes. Oh <laughs> yeah, I was taking four four in-person classes and one online class. So that one online class did help a lot because it gave me a little bit more flexibility to do it whenever I could. But the other classes I did, I did have to make sure that I was there because you know attendance was taken. And um, I didn't really have, I, I had just moved to LA when I started college, so I didn't have friends from high school here or other acquaintances that I could just, you know, ask for the assignment or ask for help. It was pretty much 
if I couldn't go, I was going to miss out on that whole lesson. And I surely didn't have time to go get free tutoring in the library and, and make it up. It was kind of a, a complete loss. So I really had to make sure that I was there. But it's not like you were scraping by. I mean, you were definitely one of my strongest students, complete A student. It was very impressive, actually. I would have had no idea that you were changing in your car before class and staying up till 1 a.m. working every day. Uh, what brought you to LA originally? At the time, I really wanted to work in the film industry, and so I thought, you know, what was the best place to go for the film industry? I, I thought to come to LA. And originally, I was majoring in English, uh, I mean, sorry, in, in film. Um, and then when I took your class, actually, I just started realizing just how much passion I had for the writing and the craft of it. And as much as I do love the uh, behind the scenes technical aspect of it, I think it was really my love for writing that really um, kept me coming to your class so eagerly because I always just knew that I was going to learn something that was going to be special and that was going to be so insightful. And especially when we got into you know, the romantic literature, that's when I really just found something that I really loved. And, and it, made it, it made it less of a chore to have to like go to class because I actually wanted to. If anything, it was a chore to go to work. I wanted to go to class. So after West LA, where did you go? Uh, I transferred to UCLA. Uh, I was there and I uh, got a BA in um, English and a concentration in creative writing. And I think that was some of my best time spent at UCLA was in workshops with other writers and uh, reading what they had to write and, and learning how to constructively criticize and how to um, help them make their story the best that they could be and seeing that they wanted the same for me. You know, They just wanted to uh, accept it for what it was and help me build it for what it was rather than change it or prescribe to any other notions. Tell me about your Paraplus Fellowship. <laughs> I was accepted into the Paraplus Fellowship for 2022, and what that is is a mentorship collective where this group of uh, volunteers that is comprised of um, very successful published authors of color uh, come together and they offer mentorship to, as it were, the next generation of writers of color uh, for free. And um, I was lucky enough to be chosen for that, and I'm working with the writer Kirsten Valdez Quaid, who has been an enormous help uh, already in the time that we spent together. Um, so it's great because it's not only uh, a little bit of mentorship every month, but we also formed a community with all of the fellows and we have, you know, a group chat where we send, you know, a submission pitches and um, if anybody needs help um, workshopping a story, they can send it in there. And so it really is such a beautiful community of writers of color all over the country and we're all just looking out for each other so that's been the most um, the most surprising aspect of that because I mostly went into it for the mentorship and that has been great but on top of that the sense of community and not feeling so alone in such a competitive industry has been brilliant. It's really hard to be a writer and it's not just sitting at your desk by yourself I feel like the same that having a community makes all the difference when you have deadlines, you have someone to share your writing with. We don't just exist in a vacuum. Tell me about your writing. What's your genre? I'm trying to try different things. I'm a very big fan of horror and sci-fi and I want to braid a little bit of those genres in with literary fiction that I write. Um, I tend to write a lot about feelings and the kind of confrontations where you are having to figure out what to say while you're still not even sure how you can process what was just said to you. And those really intense moments uh, try to capture that interiority and the, the complexity of every character and how 
we have so many things pulling at us uh, in different directions before we can even decide what we're going to say and if that is the best course of action. So I think my characters tend to be uh, alienated and a little bit unsure of themselves. Would you say that your experiences, your life experiences, have shaped the topics that you write about or the characters that you create? Definitely. I think um, one of the big things that I've noticed is, like I said, my, a lot of my characters are alienated or kind of like estranged from family members, which is something that I share with them. And I think that that's something that keeps me wanting to discover because that's where I try to write from, is from a place of discovery because if I write something that I know too well, it very quickly goes into the memoir um, area. And if I wanna write fiction, I need to write about something that I'm very curious about and that I want to learn more about. And I think being estranged from people or feeling alienated is a feeling that can happen at any point in life, but it always looks different. Feeling alienated in your teen years is so different from feeling, feeling alienated in your 20s and I don't know what it's like to feel alienated in your 30s, but I'm sure I'll find out and I'll write about <laughs> it when I get there. Would you say that you felt alienated when you first came to LA, perhaps? With the city, yes. I, I felt, you know, everybody here was so beautiful and always worked out and very tan. Um, but I, I think when I came to West, I, I really found a community here because I realized that like all of my classmates were also, you know, going to other jobs and like shuffling between classes and like changing, changing in the bathroom. Um, I really felt like I had a community here. I think if anything, when I went to UCLA, I felt a little bit like a fish out of water because I think I expected there to be a lot more transfer students and a lot more of a commuter culture. Um, but it is different. The people that live there get to have a very different experience than those of us who were driving in. Um, but I still was able to find a good community there. It was just a little tougher to find it. And I really had to put myself out there a little more than I did here. What's your writing practice like? Can you describe that? Is it regular? Is it, do you have certain rituals? Lots of writers have rituals. I know I have to empty the dishwasher before I sit down to write <laughs> to kind of prep your mind for it. Do you have anything like that? Is it, is it regular? Is it every, do you write every day? I write most every day. Um, it's something that I've definitely tried to work more on this year ever since my fellowship started because I really wanted to have something to show for at the end of the year and I knew that my writing practice was too irregular. So now I do write about three to four days a week. Um, I have a, a, a novel that I'm working on that takes, takes most of my time, but I do try to work on short story revisions so that I can you know, send those stories out and um, try to see if I can get them published. Um, but I think the most important thing for me is the night before I need to fall asleep thinking and kind of dreaming about the thing that I'm planning on writing the day after. So if I come to the if I come to the computer and I don't have a scene in mind, it's not going to be a productive day. I'm pretty much just going to be pulling teeth and writing and undoing and writing and undoing. But if I if I take some time the night before and I think this is a scene, these are the emotions and I just kind of fall asleep. Sometimes I have to write things down right before I fall asleep, but even if I don't, I think those things come back to me in the morning when I'm sitting at the computer and I'm thinking about that same scene, that, you know, connective tissue between the thoughts I was having last night and the thoughts I'm having this morning kind of, you know, they mend they mend themselves and I'm able to bring a lot more into it. Uh, so I think that definitely uh, intention is important but I think also having having grace with yourself when you're just not in a place where you can write something that emotional 
I think a lot of my writing draws from my experiences and so sometimes that can be emotionally taxing and day after day it can be a lot and so sometimes I just have to say hey you wrote about it for two days that's great now we're gonna write some sci-fi nonsense writing exercise that's just gonna clear your head make you feel good and you still got something written you know do you think that your creativity helped you in your journey with your education and life aside from your amazing creative writing do you use it in other aspects of your life absolutely I think uh, creative problem-solving is one of those things that you can apply to anything and I think that that's something that I had to do when I was working three jobs and going to school full-time you know I had to figure out how I could squeeze the most time out of my schedule and also money you know when I was working at a pizza place I knew that I could get free pizza while I was on the clock so I would you know I wouldn't eat at home I would go early eat there and then I would eat during my lunch and then I would make a little pizza for myself right before I left and there's three meals that I don't have to pay um, when I was working at the grocery store, my job was to discount the uh, food that was going to go near its expiration date. And so then I got first dibs on discounted groceries. Um, when I was working at the mall, I had a plenitude of free time, so I used that to do my homework. So I think I just had to look at what I had, and I felt that even though it was very tough, I was very lucky to be able to find three jobs and hold three jobs, um, even though they were kind of pulling me apart at the seams, I, I knew that I had to um, grasp the opportunity and kind of make things last. Because uh, the, the biggest thing that made me do that was that my financial aid was delayed for months. You know, it's one of those things that you take for granted, you just expect that you're going to get the money and sometimes it takes months. And so for those months, I really was scrambling. Um, but I, I survived it and I'm, I'm very proud of myself. And I think it had to do with the fact that I really had to be really conscientious of all the time that I spent and the money that I spent because those are the things that, as a college student, you don't have a lot of. What was the biggest obstacle that you faced, um, either as a student at West or in pursuing a creative career? I think the biggest obstacle was not having a support system here in LA. I certainly had um, my grandpa, who is a professor in Mexico, was really encouraging me to uh, pursue higher education and he, he was always a, a big um, supporter of that but they weren't here and I think that that really that really could have helped because you know I couldn't just go home and, and ha have a home-cooked meal that my grandma would just make me and um, just all of those things that family in town offers you know when I got uh, you know a flat tire I didn't have anybody that I could call um, little things like that that would have made a big difference um, and I think because of that, I, that's why I had to take on so many jobs, you know, because there, there would be some things that you could kind of pool resources from family or kind of be like, oh, well, I don't have any groceries. Let me go eat at my grandma's, but I couldn't do that. And so th those things really um, piled up and especially the cost of living in LA is so expensive that on the few times that my grandparents could send me money, it was like parking money you know, at the very most. Um, so I think that that's where a lot of that stemmed from was just uh, not having that support system and also not having a plan because I wasn't, I wasn't really planning on going to college when I was in high school. So all of my, all of my preparation for college literally started a couple of months before I was about to start taking the classes and I didn't even have, I didn't have a major, I didn't have like an education plan, I didn't have anything like that. It, that all came from here. That's incredible. I didn't know that about you. 
uh, I went to EOPNS and they, they got me set up with a counselor who made me an education plan, who held me accountable to seeing them three times per quarter. So I, I always knew that I had to keep my grades up in order to keep the priority enrollment that was allowing me to you know, speed through my classes and, and get out of here in two years. And I was able to do that with their help. So I, I really, I really came into this came into this experience with not a lot, and just with the resources that were here on campus, I I was able to do it all in two years. I feel like I understand how you overcame it materially, but how did you overcome that feeling separate, feeling alone psychologically? Did you have any fixes for that, or did you just power through? How did you find that resilience to keep going? Well, you know, I think at the time I didn't think of it as resilience. I just felt like I was in survival mode. I, I felt like I, I had to do what I had to do. I knew that um, two jobs wasn't going to be enough, so I took a third one. And then I knew that once I had the third job, I had to keep them all. I, I have a, you know, have a problem letting people down. And so I think that if anything, I kind of helped a little bit because I didn't want to let down any of the people that I had, you know, given my commitment to, including my professors and my bosses. And so I really was just doing everything I could to just be a good student, be a good, um, be a good worker. But I, I think I also got really lucky that I, I was able to find community in those jobs. I became friends with a lot of those people. And so even though I didn't really have a social life outside of work and school, I did have a social life in work and school, which, you know, that goes a really long way because if you can just have a laugh in the middle of a really stressful day, that really changes everything. It, it changes your mood and, and your outlook on everything. And I think that that's why I was able to keep going because I had I was lucky enough to have a good community in those spaces, and um, especially once I started working on campus, it just felt that much better because I, I really felt like I had a community. I knew the professors that were walking the halls, I knew the people that were coming for tutoring, and it just made me feel less alone. Was there a lesson that you learned from that experience? That I'm resilient, <laughs> I think. I mean, definitely, because uh, just telling telling those experiences to people, I. I just stated them, you know, very matter of fact, and sometimes people would be like, "Whoa, like that—that's huge!" And you know, just you, when when I told you these things, and and you were so impressed, I just felt like, "Oh, is that?" I, you know, it made me realize that 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 was impressive, and that I was proud of myself and myself at a younger age, you know, because I don't know where that little boy learned those things, but I know them now, and I, I think that's definitely something that I can turn into a source of strength. Even everything that I go through now, I think back to that kid who had just started college and was working three jobs, and I'm like, he was doing all this just to set me up for where I am now, and I'm not gonna let him down. Oh, that's beautiful. You're gonna make me cry. That's, <laughs> I love that. You should be incredibly proud of what you've done. I hope you are every day. You've been through so much and overcome so much and proven so much. Do you still have moments where you face fears or uncertainties? Absolutely. I am probably 90% uncertainty as a human, but it's it's something that I've learned to get better at because I think I tend to catastrophize and so everything can be the end of the world and sometimes I just have to take a step back and think, okay, is this really the end of the world? And it usually isn't. Um, and I think once I just get a little bit of perspective on it, I try to just break it up into manageable steps because I think um, things that take a long time can overwhelm me, and I can feel like it's like it's um, like it's not worth the effort very quickly. 
But if I can break it down into things that I can do throughout the week instead of having to do it all at once, I've noticed that that is a huge help. And I think that so many of the things that I avoided when I was younger just could have been okay if I had just taken it one step at a time rather than try to power through everything. If you had any advice to give to West LA college students or community college students in general who wanted to live a creative life, who wanted to live their best lives, who wanted to maybe pursue a career in writing, what would you suggest? The only piece of advice that I can give is take care of your mental health because your condition dictates your experience. And I think a lot of the times when I did feel like giving up, it was because I was in a bad headspace, not necessarily because I couldn't do it. And I am just so grateful that, at, you know, both here at West and at UCLA, I had um, free mental health services that were offered, you know, with a student health fee or um, with some sort of a pretty minute fee considering what tuition costs, um, that that was included and in that I could go and see a therapist in between classes and just have somebody reiterate to me that the things that I had done so far showed great resilience and that I could tap into that again with what I was going through now because at UCLA I almost dropped out maybe three or four times really? because I really felt like I was I, I really felt like I couldn't do it I felt like I was letting everyone down I felt like I had squandered the potential that, that I had when I first arrived and I, I felt like I hadn't done enough with it and I really if you would have asked me I would have told you that I was failing probably three of my classes but I graduated with honors you know so I think a lot of the times in my head it felt a lot worse than it was. And so I think that that's what happens to a lot of people is that sometimes we don't have an outlet or we don't have a support system. Um, and obviously nothing can make up for that, but mental health services can certainly help. That's really powerful. What's next for you? What's your next project? Well, at the moment, uh, I'm working on a novel that is um, not autobiographical, but it, it does deal with a lot of things from my upbringing and my relationship with my estranged parents, which is something that I'm, I really feel like I have to get out. I, I feel kind of like James Baldwin when he wrote uh, go, t uh, go Tell It on the Mountain. He said, this is the book I have to write if I'm ever going to write anything else. And that's how I feel with this novel. And as much as I just want to get it out of my system, I know that it's going to take me years and it's going to be a commitment. And so I'm trying to think of it as a marathon and not a race and just write constantly, but also give myself breaks to explore other ideas, whether it be in short story or poetry. Um, so that's definitely what I'm what I'm most excited about, but I'm just I'm just as excited about revising my old short stories and sending them out to publications because for so long I didn't have that belief in myself and I would write something, I would like it, but I would feel like it wasn't finished and it would just get locked back up in the vault. And now I'm realizing that there's so much potential in all of those drafts and there's so much that I can do with them and it's, it's just a matter of taking a couple days out of my week to work on those and tend to those and send them out. Um, and I recently had a short story published, which I'm really proud of, and it just kind of showed me that, um, that yeah, that, that there is potential there and that it's just a matter of um, giving yourself a little bit of time and a little bit of time away from the page and also a little bit of time to just give it a little bit of TLC, you know? Congratulations on the publication. Where can we find your short story? Uh, it's on an online journal called Mask and Spectacle. The story is called Human Behavior. That's fantastic. Jaime, thank you so much for being here today. This was really, really inspirational on so many levels. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.